Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Field and Garden Podcast. It is your friend, Lisa Mason Ziegler, and I am um, really honored today and excited about our podcast. But before we jump into our subject matter today, if you're new here, welcome aboard. And if you want to learn more about the Gardener's Workshop and the work that we're doing, head over to thegardenersworkshop.com. We are an online virtual learning center. We have tons of free resources as well as online courses for flower farmers, gardeners, gardeners that want to become flower farmers, and people that just want to farm or garden like a flower farmer. So we invite you to head over there. We also have an online garden shop, which is stocked with the same seeds, tools, and supplies that I use here on my farm. And friends, I'm just glad you're here. And today we are going to be talking to um, who has become a good friend, Amelia Ilo of Rooted Farmer. But we're not really talking about Rooted Farmer. We're going to be talking about something that she has grown to really become kind of the expert on because of Rooted Farmer. And we're going to let her tell us all about her business. And then um, she's going to define what we're talking about, which is Collectives 101. Um, This is a new online course that we are publishing for Amelia that has grown out of an enormous need that she has experienced firsthand. So welcome, Amelia. Thank you, Lisa. It's so exciting to be here. Thank you for having me. So I'm excited for this topic because, and I'm y'all, you know me, I go all in. So I have been saying for a couple of years that I see the future of local domestic flowers, which basically means y'all flowers grown in the same region that they're being used in, kind of for lack of a better explanation, is the future of, um, for, for the future of that, that collectives and co-ops, and Amelia's going to tell us the difference in those, are the future for us. Because frankly, as a flower farmer for over two decades, I want to spend more time farming, not selling, packing, paperwork, and taxing, all those things that go along with flower farming. And Amelia is going to share with us today. So Amelia, first off, introduce yourself to folks that don't know who you are and about your business, which is what has led us to where we are today. Sure. So my, um, I am a flower farmer. I, uh, we live in rural New Hampshire. We're in zone 4B. Um, and I've been farming since uh, 2017. And I also run a collective, um, which is how we got started with Rooted Farmers. Um, we uh, started a collective in 2019, uh, 2018, um, winter of 2018, I guess. And uh, Rooted Farmers was really born out of a need for solving our problem as a group here. So our group was in uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, and we were selling down into the Boston market. And um, really got to a point where we had been using availability lists. We had explored a lot of different um, tools, uh, you know, different platforms, Shopify, things like that. And none of them were really solving the problems effectively um, that that flower farmers in particular needed um, resolved in order to work with wholesale buyers. Um, And so that that was kind of how we got started with Rooted. Um, The vision there was 
you know, to create essentially an Etsy, but for flower farmers where each grower would go on, they would upload all of their inventory and all of their product. And then on the buyer side, so for the florist or the wholesale, you know, the designer, um, they're, they are shopping from an aggregated list of product. And so, so that was how we uh, got started. Um, it's been now we're going into our fourth production season here and we've grown quite a bit since then. Um, and because of our experience working as our own collective and then, you know, branching out and solving these problems for other collectives, uh, regionally and, and now we're, you know, across the country, we're coast to coast, um, working with a number of collectives, we, we just have, uh, the, the honor of, of, of kind of experiencing all of these different types of models and, um, and being able to, uh, brainstorm and, and kind of work through problem solving with groups all over the place, um, who are really approaching different geographies, different, um, sort of microclimates. Um, and, and so that's, that's kind of where we are now, um, and, and how we got here, um, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're really excited about bringing this course to life to you with, with you. Sure. And so did you tell us again, what is the name of the course and the tagline? Yes. So the name of the course is collectives 101, a guide for joining and selling through regional wholesale hubs. Thank you so much. So, um, and I mean, Y'all, this is, I know I always tell you how excited I am about a new learning experience that we're offering, but I feel like this is such a key piece of the future of the floral industry, um, the local flower scene, right? Um, so Amelia, let's just start right from the, the get-go. Tell me, because I was the one that asked you this and you shared with me what the difference is. What is the difference between a collective and a co-op? So we, um, we use the term collective because there are a lot of different legal structures and those legal structures can have nuance even at the state level. Um, and so the, the term collective is really what we use to kind of capture all of these, um, all of these different types of models. The term cooperative is much more specific where it, it really implies a legal structure um, that is not necessarily applicable to all different types of entities. You know, when we're talking about a collective, um, our definition of that is really to, to presume that this is, you know, a floral aggregator. So this is a group um, of growers who have decided to collaborate, to sell all of their product with the goal of streamlining their relationship management, their communications, how they're interacting with all of their buyers. Um, sales and logistics are a big piece of that. So how you're actually moving that product from point A to point B. And so that's why we use the term collective here is that it's a little bit more general um, uh, umbrella term for this sort of concept of, of bringing together a group of growers in order to sell to a group of buyers. Whereas a cooperative is a very specific um, term that, that is, um, denotes a legal structure that's different from you know, what a collective might actually be. Perfect. So I want to just share some of the questions that might be rolling around in my head, which means that I'm pretty sure there's somebody else out there. I know that there's misconceptions in every new model of anything, right? I mean, things that we learn that really aren't true at all. So let's talk about the first one. 
Um, don't you think, I mean, I think, oh gosh, so now I'm going to have to be selling wholesale first off, you know, and then I'm going to have to be paying somebody else to sell for me. So people think they're going to make less money, right? But that's not really the truth, I think. I think this is a really common misconception and it's hard because, you know, on the surface, it looks like you're comparing apples to apples where you're saying, well, if I'm selling a hundred dollars worth of product and I'm selling it directly, then I get to keep the hundred dollars. Whereas if I'm selling it through a collective, I'm losing a margin there because most collective revenue models have the collective retaining a portion there, retaining a margin to cover their costs. So you know, we'll use 25% as the number because that's pretty standard. Um, usually somewhere between, you know, 23 and 28%, 30% is, is a pretty standard um, margin for a cooperative or a collective to keep, to retain at that level. And so when you're looking at $100 of sales and you're just comparing that apples to apples, you're saying, well, I could sell it directly and make $100 or I could sell it through the collective and only bring home $75. And so there's this very quick math that a lot of us will do just on the surface there. And I think what's, what's, um, what's uh, missing there, and it's the really key um, piece of that equation is that you are assuming a ceiling on your sales there. That just is not, it's, it's an arbitrary ceiling. It's a ceiling that you have um, because of a lot of other limitations, it's your, your limitations of your time, um, limitations of how, you know, what, what the market is that you can access, how many buyers can you get in front of? Um, and there are so many more pieces to that. And so, you know, when we're, when we are doing the equation, when we're doing that math of, you know, are you actually making less money? We can say universally that that's just not the truth the truth. That's just not the case for growers who are really selling into an effectively managed collective. And the reason is because you're offloading all of these, you know, what we call kind of non-value add growing tasks. So, so in order to actually sell your product, you need to get it in front of your buyers. You need to build those relationships with your buyers. You need to, um, you need to deliver the product to your buyers or host a market. You need to be able to do all of the things to move your product that are not growing your product. And so if we really just look at how can we maximize the amount of product you can move, you're, you're ending up selling far more and profiting more by offloading all of the things that have nothing to do with growing flowers to your collective, like the order management, like the sales management, like the logistics. That's just such a great answer. And, you know, cause I often get asked not about collectives, but when people will say, oh my gosh, I, but I, you know, new growers thinking about where, how they're going to sell their, their product. It's like, oh, well, I want to sell retail to people because you make so much less when you sell wholesale. And then I just go down the list of things that you, the savings, when you sell wholesale compared to retail, it's like you, it looks good on the top, but when you start adding up all the work, all the labor, all the time, I mean, it quickly became apparent to me that wholesaling was as profitable, if not more profitable to my business, even though I did a little bit of all of it. Um, so this would apply the same thing. It's that, it's that looking down into the cup view, right? We have to, as business people, we have to resist 
those kind of generalizations. All right. So the next thing that pops into my mind is, well, surely I'll probably be selling less product because there's so many of us, right? Yeah. I, this is, this is a, you know, it's, it's a little bit market specific. So if you're going out to a group of, you know, three buyers and you're bringing eight growers together, selling to three buyers, it's, you know, that's a, this is why this is a market specific question. You want to be really conscious of what your market is that you're selling into as a collective, but as a general rule, if you have enough demand to put together a collective, so if you have enough buyers and, you know, we're looking at these areas that are, you know, kind of draw an hour plus radius outside of any major metropolitan area, um, you're, you're broadening your access in a way that's just simply not possible as an individual grower. So yes, you're bringing together all of these growers and um, there's a lot more product out there, but that's actually a really big selling point for all of these buyers, because when you have conversations with buyers, when you have conversations with these um, designer event designers and, and florists and um, brick and mortar shops, they're one of their chief concerns is that there's just not enough volume to shop from an individual farm, or they just can't access the breadth that they need from any one of these individual growers. And so you're actually solving some very big problems and, and eliminating barriers to entry for yourselves by working collaboratively. Because now, instead of these buyers thinking it's not worth my time to go and try to work with each individual farm to just try to source, you know, a few things here and a few things there. And I can't get all of the bunches of this particular variety from this farm. And, and so it's really time consuming. Instead, what you're doing is creating a solution for these buyers and saying, you know, you can come here, you can shop from our collective and you can, you can buy all of your product, anything that you might need from local growers. And because you're simplifying that experience for them, they start seeking you out before they go out to their wholesalers and they start just increasing the volume of product that they're purchasing from local growers in the first place. So, you know, presuming you have a market that can support a collective, um, that is, you know, that, that is a misconception here. This idea that because you have other growers you're working with, um, you're going to sell that, that, that just isn't true. And we can see that over and over and over again, um, in, in all of the collectives that we've worked with. And so the other, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a real firm believer in not putting all your eggs into one basket, um, to always have options, to always keep doors open. Um, so I wonder to myself, would I be losing that relationship that I have built perhaps for somebody that's maybe a seasoned grower that's been growing for a while? Um, while I can see a huge benefit for newer growers that are not, don't even have their foot in the door perhaps yet. Um, but how are the relationships between growers and the end user? I would guess that would just go away. So it doesn't go away. You know, I think it's, it's really important to remember that the collective is not a substitute for the human connections that are so important in our industry. You know, I think it's, it's really critical for all of these buyers to maintain that relationship with their suppliers. And it's a, it's a big reason as to why they like shopping from collectives is that 
they do have those human relationships. You know, this isn't an anonymous transaction for them. They feel a connection to their community. They feel a connection to, um, you know, the people who are actually growing their product. And then that is something that they use when they're communicating with their clients is like, these are the human faces of the people that we are supporting with your business. So, so that's a very real layer of it. And it's also not something that's lost, you know, in, in, um, in any of the collectives that we've worked with, I think this is, it's something that, you know, especially where there's any sort of physical presence. Um, so you have like a physical market, um, you're, you're continuing to maintain those relationships. You're continuing to interact with your customers. Um, you're always receiving feedback. So you're always hearing from them when something is really fantastic or when something is not as fantastic. And then you're building that relationship the benefit of doing it through a collective is that you build redundancies for yourself as a grower. You know, I think the, um, the idea of competition in this industry is something that I always try to push back on because it's, it is that concept is really the product of a scarcity mindset. This idea that there's not enough for all of us to go around and the reality is that local flowers represent only a small portion of floral sales in this industry in the US. You know, call it 20%, 25%. It's still only a fraction of what it was 30 years ago when we were at 60, 70%. And we talk about this in the course is, you know, kind of understanding that the scarcity mindset is something that's so pervasive today and, and it fuels this idea of competition with your neighboring farm. But it's just not, um, it, it's misplaced. It's something that I think, you know, we really need to be looking back at where did the industry come from and why is this a misplaced, you know, a misconception? And we really dig into that quite a bit in this course. So I'm, I'm excited to kind of, um, to, to share more about that. Yeah, I mean, you, that, well, that was a great explanation because I am continually faced with the question, aren't there too many flower farmers? Aren't there too many growers? You know, it's like me at doing flower farming school. It's like, you're teaching too many people. Aren't you afraid that there's going to be no, not enough to go around? And that's exactly what I share. When you look at what the industry is every year spent on cut flowers in this country alone, and that less than 20 or 20 to 25% of it is grown in this country, we got a long way to go, baby. <laughs> there is no ceiling, in my opinion. I mean, not in our lifetime anyway. It's just not, we have to, which is exactly why I think this model is the collective is just such the way we have to become more professionals, make it easier, make it better for buyers to be able to come to us and to make use of it. Because frankly, right now, it is so fragmented it's no wonder we're in the boat we're in. You know what I mean? Because we're all out there like icebergs floating around, right? I mean, it just it just makes such great sense. All right, moving on. Sorry, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> so um, let's talk about, <clears throat> we've talked about some of the benefits. We've talked about the pooling the resources, increasing efficiency. Um, and what are some of the other reasons that you would want to sell to a collective. Um, you know, that means you just really get to like put your focus on what really makes you, you, right? 
Definitely. And, you know, I think something that um, something that we talk about and something that we talk about on a regular basis and that I think is a very, very important topic um, and and probably just not discussed enough until we get to August or September in this industry is burnout. Burnout is a very real challenge for farmers, and it's something that causes a lot of attrition. And when we're really thinking about what are the long-term solutions for burnout, you know, I think you've got to look at how you're spending your time and you have to set boundaries as a grower of, you know, where is it reasonable for me to be putting my time during production season and where is it just too much? And if you split out all of your administrative time and you actually clock how many hours you're spending on all of the administrative tasks of selling flour. So not the growing, not the seed starting, not the harvesting, but the actual administration of your farm. These are the types of things that during production season can take so many hours of your life and just really, really contribute to this feeling of burnout by the time you get to August or September. And one of the huge benefits of selling through a collective is, you know, not only are you offloading all of this administrative work or a huge portion of this administrative work, but you're also creating a support system for yourself of like-minded growers, people who you're now um, collaborating with. They're now your partners, they're your teammates. And having that sort of support system is so, so, so important as you're working in, you know, what is really a pretty isolating field. You know, this is, this is a really a fairly isolating job that a lot of us have. Um, and, and I think it's that support system that's created um, is, is really critical. And it's, and it's a benefit that we don't always talk about um, of these collectives. It's a, you know, these folks can become really good friends of yours because they're going through the same thing you're going through. They're struggling with the same things you're struggling with, and they can be resources for you. So if you, if you aren't able to fill an order, if you have a family emergency, if you have pest pressure on something and you need, you need somebody else to kind of back you up, these are all places where that mental burden that contributes to those feelings of burnout, those exhaustion, the, the sort of like end of season cynicism, that gets so alleviated by having this support system of other growers and even the very practical resources. So we had, um, we had an infestation last summer on our farm of something that I had never seen before. And I just spammed out a picture to our, you know, other growers in our group and said, I don't, I don't know what this is. Can anybody, and of course, immediately we were able to diagnose it and then mitigate it. So it's very practical, immediate resources, but also just the feeling of support from these people who, you know, are, are going through what you're going through and they just get it. You know, um, what I thought of when you were just sharing that, that, you know, the July, August, September, I mean, here, because I'm in the South, our season goes on a little bit longer. Um, that August, tons of flowers, you know, that is just really the height of your season. And if you're not really a well-established, I mean, we lived off of standing orders. I mean, that's what carried us for the last 10 years, right? But until you get to that point in August, you are dead tired, you are hot, exhausted, you have flowers coming out your ears, and you feel the constant pressure 
to go find more customers, which you have no time for. So you don't do a good job at it. It's not effective. It's not successful. And you lay in bed and maybe weep at night over it. Speaking for a friend, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, I've been there. I understand it. And I mean, I'm just, I hadn't even really Amelia thought about the community support. I got your back. I'm feeling this. I mean, does it not help to commiserate with uh, those suffering from the same thing that you're suffering from? Heck yeah. Right. It's so Um, validating. And, you know, I think people feel like they have that in social media and to an extent you probably do a little bit, but, but there's no replacement for, you know, those in-person connections with other people who get it, other people who just understand what you're going through and can help you troubleshoot through it. You know, I think it's, it's just so critical. That is so true. And, you know, I mean, I understand about the social media, but it is just nothing like having somebody in your same growing region that's facing the same 98 degrees for the 20th day with no rain Um, and, but yet you're producing like crazy and everybody's gone on vacation. So nobody's buying. And so I feel like being a part of a, a collective, um, just really is an amazing community. The, the, don't undervalue that portion of it. Yeah. So Amelia, what do you think we need to add here? You know, so I know that our question was, so what is a collective anyway? You know, I think we've really kind of hit the highlights of that. Um, And so tell us just a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, a little bit about the course Collectives 101. Um, Who would take that? Um, You know, is that the jumping off point? I know that um, I enjoyed listening to the course um, and to share with the listeners. So I have never been a part of a collective. Um, Collectives are fairly new. Um, You know, as my career was winding down, collectives were warming up. So I really listened to the course or watched the course with the same eyes that I feel like so many people will watch it with. It's like, do I want to sell to a collective? What does that mean? And, you know, how would that kind of work? I knew it wasn't going to be a deep dive and step by step of everything you do, but it's like the beginning steps for people that even want to consider that, right? It is. It's the early steps. You know, I think this is a really, um, we, we tried to build this and we built it with some of our collectives who um, we work with at Rooted. Um, And we tried to build this, keeping in mind that you could be watching this because you're thinking about joining a collective. You could be watching this because um, you, and you, maybe you're doing it this year. Maybe this is your first season selling into a collective and you really need to make sure you know what you're doing as you're stepping into this new channel. Um, You could be watching this because at some point in the future, you might want to sell into a collective, but you're not really confident about what that actually means. And are you ready for it? Um, And you could be watching this because you are right now building a collective. You're doing it. You are the early founders of stepping into this new channel. You've been growing for some time and now you're ready to, you know, really um, grow, grow as a group and grow your community and grow your markets. Um, so if you're in any of those situations, I think you're going to find this really useful content. Um, you know, this is something that we didn't talk about that we, we do talk about in the course, but we haven't talked about here today is really, you know, setting expectations 
and and what what you really need to expect as you're stepping into this channel. Um, and I think we we really uh, we really reflect in here a lot of the mistakes that um, we have seen anywhere, you know, across our own experience, across other collectives experience. And so that you aren't, you are not in the situation where you are experiencing all of those mistakes firsthand yourself as you're stepping into this space. Um, we talk a lot about what's the difference, you know, if you've only sold through farmer's markets, what is your, what is your channel here? Like, who are your customers? What do you need to know about your customers? What is the typical season look like? What is, um, how do you think about quality control? How do you think about uh, setting expectations with your buyers? How do you think about feedback? How do you think about consistency when you're trying to bring together three or five or 15 or 30 growers? How do you really manage a consistent experience for your buyers? And that's across the board. That's like scheduling. It's, you know, bunching, processing, you know, deliveries, how, how, how do we address consistency questions? And so all of these, um, all of these are, are topics that we get into in this course. And for that reason, I think, you know, if you're just simply in a place where you're looking to really increase your, you know, you know, professionalize your operation a little bit more and step into wholesale, there are a lot of topics here that are very relevant to, and, and I think good foundational knowledge as you're stepping into that new channel, if you're, if you're kind of growing that channel, just really important um, uh, basics for you to know about this industry. Thank you for that, Amelia. And um, so friends, there'll be links down in the show notes below of how you can um, learn more about the course, learn more about Amelia. And if you're not familiar with Rooted Farmer, which is um, her business, Rooted Farmer is an online marketplace that connects local flower farmers, floral designers, and flower lovers of all kinds online and in one place. And that's how Amelia has grown into this expert um, from her business. Um, and we're just really thrilled and honored and proud to present her course, Collectives 101. And um, we think that this is the beginning of an amazing journey for a lot of people. And um, so thank you so much, Amelia, for joining with me this morning. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. All right, friends, as always, I appreciate if you share this podcast with your friends. And if you're enjoying our content, please consider reviewing um, on the podcast app that you listen on. And y'all, it doesn't have to be a lot of words. Um, you know, what happens for every review that my podcast gets, that means that your podcast app shows my podcast to people that are just browsing. And so everyone matters. Matters. I read everyone and I appreciate your support. Um, so friends, head on over to thegardenersworkshop.com to learn more about all things flower farming, flowers, and gardening. Until we meet again, ciao.